Reaver Group's podcast series, Talk Retail to Me, where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries. If you're new to Parker Avery and this podcast, we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience, both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry. Our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results. Our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Park Ravery Group, we invite you to visit parkravery.com. This week, Parker Avery partner Amanda Estralago and I are talking with retail expert Julie Cheney, who joined the firm earlier this year. Julie has over 25 years of experience in the retail and wholesale industries as both an executive and a consultant. She has held leadership positions in buying, merchandise planning and allocation, and program management within specialty apparel, footwear, outdoor equipment, and general merchandise retailers. Julie and her family reside in Florida and spend some time each summer in Vermont where they enjoy golf, kayaking, hiking, and riding. Amanda and I both first met Julie years ago when she worked at Orvis. We helped them with a package selection. This was back when everything was handled on-site at client locations. Besides introducing Julie to the world, we're going to touch on how package selection projects have changed since then with so many tasks now being handled remotely. Welcome, Julie and Amanda. So nice to have you join me today. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Julie, being on the client side versus the consultant side provides two very different perspectives. What's been your experience from moving in and out of the retail industry and consulting roles? I think it's a good place to start because it does, it's changed over the course of my career. So a lot of times um, at the very beginning of my career and, and both in retail and consulting, the client wouldn't necessarily feel super comfortable with the consulting team leaving, that they had the infrastructure in place to really be successful with what had just transpired. So sometimes early on, um, they would ask you to stay on in a full-time capacity to help them through a transition. You know, this has morphed into what we now call very clearly change management, right? And transfer mm -hmm. of knowledge. So as my career has grown, um, both in retail and consulting, the reasons for transitioning in and out have changed. But it started at the very beginning, really about a kind of a lack of a formal change management practice um, and, and wanting to ensure the success of whatever project we were just coming off of, which in most cases was some form of systems implementation and business process implementation. I think that has stayed the same somewhat to, to a certain degree. It could be that we're introducing a new technology to the industry or a new business practice entirely, and they just want that safety net there. But, you know, that was really primarily the reason why I would go back to the inside, as we say. I think the better part of it is actually when you leave from industry and come into consulting, the knowledge that you've gained each and every time. Um, you know, it, it keeps you grounded to a certain extent and mm -hmm. allows you to really develop that 
understanding of what it takes to truly get things done in a retail environment. And, um, you know, the, the one thing you don't want to do from a consulting perspective is say, okay, here's, here's everything that you should do. And then the client can't implement it. So, um, you know, being able to have that knowledge of what it takes to really get things done in the confines of a corporate structure has, has proven invaluable on both sides of the equation. So, um, it does, it offers a great perspective. Yeah, Julie, I think that's a great point. I mean, if you think about how we first met at Orvis, like Trisha previously mentioned, right? I think one of the reasons that we got to keep in touch over all the years was because we were going back and forth on, you know, helping the team there start a planning organization, and, and that was a big leap. So I think that, that that's a very good perspective on how things have changed and, and what it takes. But we benefited because we got to, you know, stay friends for so long and, and then come to this journey. So I think that's a great, great start. Agreed. Julie, you've been most recently involved on a software selection project with one of Parker Avery's clients. And Amanda, you've been on a million of them. I don't know how many. Um, <laughs> a fair amount. A fair amount, uh, both pre-COVID and during COVID. But besides obviously conducting requirements workshops and demonstrations and, and those types of tasks remotely, how do you think the remote environment has impacted the process and what learnings do you both have from the new experience of conducting package selections in a virtual environment? It, that's a great question. I think everything has changed when it comes to doing it remotely. And I think the biggest impact has been the elongation of a project. It is far more difficult to stay on track uh, in a remote environment, you don't have that captive audience, right? There's just a, to a different type of challenge around. So most people that are, are working remotely have other things happening in their household at the, at the same time that they're trying to conduct requirements gathering sessions or really put a cost-benefit analysis on, together on why the company should be spending potentially millions of dollars to do something. And so I think it's twofold. It's, it's, it's been an elongation of a timeline. I think that's, a, that's been a, a big impact. And relationship building. Um, relationship building is, as we know, part of consulting um, and part of everything that we do. But, you know, consulting is a business of relationships. And being able to establish that trust and that advisory partnership role quickly is challenging uh, when you have great things happening, right? But when when you're restricted to a simple remote environment, it, it presents its own set of challenges. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things that I think I've walked away with saying, you know, you have to do different tactics. You have to employ different tactics in order to build that relationship and that trust quicker in a different way. And you have to be really cognizant of your timeline. Yeah, I agree. I think timeline, I think those pieces are a big point. I think it's when you talk about the decision makers in the room, I mean, if you're on site, you're used to being, if there's one topic that may be a little off, you're used to being able to go, hey, go grab so-and-so down the hall and just ask them a quick question. And that yeah. a lot of that is taken off the table. So to Julie's Very point, it adds to, it adds to time. It adds to the team ensuring right off the bat that they have the right decision makers and because they can't just go grab somebody down the hall. So all of that remote piece has really impacted just how to get that piece of it done and make sure that you have all the stakeholders in the room to make the decision. And 
to Julie's other point, you're you're not there to if they're having internal conversations to vet some of this, and we're not there. There's a little, little bit of risk to that. And, there, and we're not there to just be like, hey, can you come in here for a second and just make sure we're thinking about this the right way? So between just the internal corralling and making sure that you can and get to a final decision, um, all of those are impacted by this remote situation. Yeah, and Marty talked about this uh, on the last podcast. We talked about remote implementations, and Marty echoed that same exact sentiment that he had some relationships already built prior to the implementation work at one client that he did. So it was a little easier. If you have that relationship already built, it's easier. But with this remote environment, even though people are used to being on screen, it is quite difficult. And he acknowledged that was something that you really have to work through. You have to work at much harder. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and Amanda and Trisha, I don't know what you, what, how you guys feel about this, but, you know, I've also found that as a consulting team, it's also far more difficult, right? Because when you're on the ground, when your boots on the ground with a team of consultants, the conversation that happens in the project room is invaluable. And so now you find that you have to actually have those conversations and schedule those conversations when you're in a room together, they happen quite naturally, right? right. And, and especially the, you know, the selection that, that I'm currently working on is multi-streamed and the interaction and the the interfaces between each of the streams, not only systematically, but process-wise, organizationally, they're, they're immense. So you, you have to work that much harder to ensure that as a consulting group, you come together, right? So there's a different type of leadership within the project team that needs to happen when you're remote, not only just of managing the project and managing the client engagement. So I, I think that's been like, if I had to add a third, I would add that as a third. Yeah, I 100% agree. And then the other piece that I would just tag on to that is, you know, when you do the actual demos, right, one of the big things from a consultant that we do is we read the room, right? So if the, mm -hmm. if the software partner is upfront and you, we know the client well enough by that point due to the relationships, we're able to like read body language and say, and you know, help facilitate, stop or clarify. And a lot of that is taken out of play because we can't see the client's body language. We can't see who's on. So some of the actual package selection could get a little bit more difficult because you have a lot of follow-up to do because the client may or may not be willing to stop the software partner and ask questions during the demonstration. So then they hold everything and they get past the demonstration and they wait right. and then you get peppered with several questions that you have to go back and forth on. And, and normally those things would be things that we could handle at the moment and take care of the questions and actually show it. So it's not just a, a storytelling after the fact. So there's a lot of things that normally would happen to be, help us be more efficient and be, and informative to help them make a better decision that we can't today. So there's a lot to be said for this process and being together yeah. uh, physically. So that's a good lead into the, the next kind of topic or it's a related topic. A couple of years ago, Amanda, you wrote this point of view focused on package selection. It was titled a strategic approach to package selection. In this publication, you outlined five key tenets to success. The first being form the best team of decision makers. Second, clearly define and prioritize your business requirements. Third is stick to the facts. Fourth, prepare the vendors. 
And fifth is prepare your team to make a decision. Again, this question is for both of you. Or have these, have any of these become more or less important or dramatically altered due to how project environments have changed? Or are there other success factors companies need to, to consider besides kind of what you mentioned that developing the relationships and understanding that the timeline will not be the same as they were pre 2020? I don't know that they've changed dramatically, um, at least in my mind, but I would say the first one, form the best team of decision makers, and the last two, preparing the vendors and preparing the team to make a decision, have become more and more important. Um, the best team of decision makers, making sure that you've picked people that are dedicated, are ready to be engaged, meaning not multitasking during a software vendor demo. Wait, that happens? <laughs> um, yep, that might happen. <laughs> right, so... All of those things happen, but you need someone, you need the team to be willing to understand and take the time to get through it. And that just falls into, you know, helping the team make a decision. But if you start out with a team that is not fully engaged or understanding of their role, the rest of these things become extremely difficult because they just, they won't be able to communicate truly what they want or what their, the feedback is from a software perspective once they've seen it. And then preparing the vendor so that everything that all the hard work remotely that you've done up until that point is translated in a way to the vendors that they can perform a good demo and make sure that it's tailored specifically to the client. It's not too generic that they just walk away with a ton of questions. And then that all in that just prepares that team to make a good decision. But if you really don't do well in A and D, that process becomes super challenging. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the tactics, I think, behind each one have changed, but the five tenets, remain, they remain the, the, remain the same. And pre the preparation is, is absolutely, absolutely front and center. What have you noticed So in conducting? And I know, Julie, you came off of, I don't know how many demos you just you guys just did, but I know there were a lot um, in this <laughs> last... Six hours worth, yeah, nine of them, nine of them, yeah. Ouch. You know, we're on the consulting side, so what feedback have you gotten from clients on these demos? Because these are these can be long and they can be exhausting from everybody involved. What kind of feedback do you get from clients? You know, that, that's a great question. And it's, you know, it's one of the reasons when I look at my journey in consulting overall and, and smile as, as I've finally been able to, you know, join forces um, within in Parker Avery itself, it's, it's one of the things that that we're known for, right, is our methodology from a selection standpoint and how we do this. Uh, you know, our expertise in package selection, the way we conduct it is we prepare the vendors through scripting. And the feedback that we get both from the vendors and from the client is due to the preparation of the script and the coaching to the vendors to stay on script has actually has paid enormous dividends for the clients to be able to follow a four or six hour demo remotely. Mm -hmm. They know exactly where we are, exactly what the script tied to from a business requirement, why we're showing it, how we've drafted it. So it, it all ties together. And so the feedback we've gotten is because of the methodology that we use that we're known for, um, it really has, has, has paid dividends been positive, very positive feedback. You know, we all know that that as software vendors do like to um, show off a little bit and maybe stuff that's not even relevant to the client, which 
can take things way off track. You know, having that demo script and being very tied to it is so important to make the best use of people's time as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, now again, I mean, vendors will go off script and vendors absolutely want to show off the, you know, the, the bells and whistles and the, the shiny new objects that, that they're in there to, to show. Um, and that's what gets people excited. But at the end of the day, it's all about how the system supports the execution of the business and the strategies behind the business. Right. And yeah. so, um, that that's, we've, we've gotten really great feedback about it. I, I agree. And I think the the key point of the relationships that we have on the software side to Julie's point and being able to have that candid and open relationship so that we can help coach them through it as well as our clients, I think has really paid off during this remote time. Um, if we, if these were new and we didn't have relationships going in, I think these would be even more difficult, but that to Julie's point that definitely that whole process will, will pay off in a, in a pretty large way at the end. We're almost at the end of our time, but I um, wanted to give you both kind of your minute to the world um, based on your learnings over the course of the past year. What advice would you offer your retail colleagues if they're if they're considering on embarking on a package selection initiative in a minute? What what would you say to them? Amanda, I'll let you go first. What would I say to them? I would say pick a good partner to go through it and help educate. There are so many changes in the retail environment today, whether you're talking about cloud-based or science um, embedded into solutions. Julie talked about it. She hit the shiny object. Um, They can definitely sideline you. I think having a good partner to bounce things off of and help guide you through that process is is key. Those that, that don't have a strong IT or business process unit within their organization kind of go for the the big guys and and go with who they know and the the names that are most common in the industry and without having a lot of guidance to go into that can really make things challenging to make a decision and to get the solution that fits your business needs the best. So I would say be open, be ready to the willingness to change, but stay true to who you are, but absolutely pick a good partner to help through the process. Great. Julie, you're up. Yeah, I love that. I I love that. And I would add to picking a good partner, um, understand your reasons, understand why you're embarking on this journey. And and remember that technology is a part of the solution, but it's not the only solution. So understanding what you're trying to solve, what business problem you are trying to solve, this has been the year of disruption. And so people and companies can get hung up on the exceptions of everything, but making sure that you understand the fundamental business problems that you're trying to solve will definitely help bring to a, a successful conclusion any selection that you're doing, as well as any any change that you're you're trying to implement. Yeah, I'll just as a final, I'll just tag on to that. I mean, I think the other piece that's important, which outside of the actual selection, is just to tag on to the understanding your purpose, but software system implementation is not a silver bullet. So understanding what you're trying to solve, understanding that you may go in and it may be just a process challenge that you're having. And if you work through the process challenge, that will help you make better decisions. So, I mean, we've gone through several um, 
several engagements where we've been brought in for a package selection and we've basically had to say, let's pump the brakes a little bit, let's fix the business process and here's why, and then enter into a software selection. So it, it's been an interesting journey, but I think um, understanding that just software solutions are not plug and play and understanding right. the, the things that go into it to make it stand up and be successful are absolutely key. Yeah, yeah, agree. A strong foundation across people, process, and technology. Yeah. Well, and I know we said this is kind of the last minute, and I guess I lied a little bit because I know we've been brought in several times, and we've basically said, "Well, no, it's not really the system." And we've we've discovered that they've already paid for and bought the system, and they're not using the functionality the way it was either configured or it was configured wrong. And we've we've untapped that and helped them use their systems better. And yep. with, without, you know, having to go through even a package selection. So um, not, this is not really off topic, but I think that's really important because going back to the shiny new objects, it's easy to get sidetracked, especially with COVID because everybody was putting together all these scrappy processes really quickly and not understanding maybe some of the, the downstream implications. And now it's, it's kind of, you have to backpedal a little bit and see, well, really, what, what are we going to keep? What do we need to redesign? What functionality can we possibly repurpose or, or, or really use to the best to our best advantage? And what are the dependencies, right? You yep. could, I mean, there's things that don't do well if you just put them in the middle. If if the, what's feeding them is bad or not in a not in a stable state, then what comes out of it is not going to be what your ended desire is. So, really understanding the whole broader picture as you engage on a solution selection is absolutely paramount. Excellent. Well, ladies, thank you so much. I enjoyed as always our conversations and I hope you have a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks. Trisha. All right. Thank you. Thanks. So that wraps up today's episode. We hope you found value in the content and in the discussion. If you have any questions and would like to reach out, please feel free to visit our website at parkeravery.com. We also invite you to join our conversation on LinkedIn. Just search for the Parker Avery Group.